The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Episode number... I think it's 207. Am I right? It's because you wrote it down on your hand. I actually didn't. My notes are very empty today. It It has uh, our guest name and the name of his Instagram account slash book. (laughs) That's it. That's all I got written down. It's amazing to me how many people will will reach out to us and say, hey, you need to talk to so-and-so. And I will be honest, over the last couple of weeks, our guest for this week, Holly, we've probably had more people say, you need to talk to Ben than maybe anybody ever before. Mm-hmm. So we deliver. That's what we do. If you want a guest oh, yeah. on our show, we will beg, we will plead, and somehow it always well, seems to happen. So I'm so excited for today. It costs us a little bit of Bitcoin, but uh, Ben Kirby, <laughs> my friend, how are you? Pretty good. Un- unfortunately, the Bitcoin dipped significantly yesterday, so my payment was way less than what I was expecting. No, <laughs> um, I'm a super hard guy to get a hold of for sure, but uh, I appreciate y'all having me. I appreciate the begging and the paying and all that kind of stuff that did not mm-hmm. occur, but I'm excited to talk to y'all. Y'all are my first Canadian interview, I think. Really? I Which am honored. Cool. Number it's one, a lot of pressure to represent. Yeah, you know, I heard Canadians are, are pretty tough, uh, just on the out, on the, in the inside. So mm-hmm. I'm buckling down for a really hard interview. Okay, <laughs> yeah, well right. then, then let's kick it off with the most difficult question you will answer of the day: Who are you, and where did you come from? <laughs> that is a, a difficult uh, existential question. My <laughs> name's Ben Kirby. I live in the United States. I grew up in uh, the state of Louisiana, but I live in Texas now, which is kind of mega church capital of the Southern United States. And I'm married to my wife, Stacy. We have two Labrador retrievers named Gumbo and Rue. And we just had a uh, human baby. His name's Davis Dean. And we are actively trying not to screw all that up. And so (laughs) this is our first kid and it is chaotic. And our routine is completely destroyed, I guess. And we are just trying to figure things out all while trying to do some cool interviews and talk to cool people. So uh, this is a nice break and I'm excited to be here. Louisiana. So gumbo, it kind of just makes sense, I guess. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we shamelessly use that. And then the base of a gumbo is what they call a roux, R-O-U-X. And so that's our our second uh, lab. But I, I guess if you're curious, I run this Instagram account uh, of which I probably don't deserve, but as an Instagram account showing high profile pastors and the price of their footwear. And it, it caused a lot of people to feel feelings one way or the other. And um, I've got a background in the military and in business, not really in media or mm. public figure stuff. And so all this is new to me, but uh, yeah, that's what I do uh, for now. Military and business. Okay. We're going way back, way, way, way back. So right. you grow up in Louisiana and you are Love and life, how do you get from, you know, being a kid into the world of business? Like, were you that kid in school that everyone's like, oh, he's going to be a good business guy? Or they're like, no, he's a bit of a clown. <laughs> uh, I I was definitely the, in high school and junior high growing up, I was a larger kid and I my claim to fame was I had a large afro. Like this hair, if I grew it out super long, is an actual like fro. It was weird. And so I craved attention through that and was kind of the, the nice guy. I was in the friend zone with a lot of people. And so I don't know <laughs> if anybody expected much out of me, um, And but I wanted to go make something of myself, I guess. And so I went to I went to college to study business in Arkansas, uh, which is north of Louisiana. And after that, I went into the Marines as an officer. And so I did that for 
five years. And thankfully, by then, I'd gotten rid of all the kid weight and got <laughs> down to a fighting weight for once in my life. And so I, I did that for five years. And then once that contract uh, expired, I got out of the Marines and then got recruited to run a business down here in Austin, Texas. Hmm. So I did that for a couple of years. After that, I went and went back to business school to get my master's in business. And that's where the Instagram thing went wild. And so it's weird how life works out. So then I, I, you've probably answered this question a million times. Why did you start Preachers and Sneakers? Two years ago, it was March of 2019. I just noticed a worship leader on YouTube wearing a pair of sneakers in a music video that I knew were, were reselling for about $800 to $1,000. And for whatever reason that morning, it was a weird set of circumstances that had never occurred before and haven't really occurred since. But I slept through church and in, in lieu of going to church, I decided to sit there and watch worship music videos on YouTube. And uh, very quickly, I got distracted by the worship leader's shoes. Mm -hmm. And I, so I made a couple of quick videos about it because I assumed that uh, most other people didn't understand how much these shoes were worth. And it was making me feel some type of way at the time, uh, mostly out of ignorance and, and like not, I didn't even think about it that much. I was just like, this is weird. This guy's wearing $800 shoes and he's a worship leader. So I made a few videos doing that. And then what it eventually led to is me reposting pastors preaching photos from their own Instagrams and then just putting the, the market value of their sneakers or streetwear or belts or whatever right next to it without even saying much with basically saying like a funny caption. And that caused people to lose their minds and people got really angry one way or the other, either uh, in opposition of what these guys were wearing or in support of what these guys are wearing and in opposition to what I did. Um, and so it, from, I started the account maybe 10 day, nine or 10 days after I made that first video. And then within four weeks of that, I had a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, just wow. posting those kind of pictures, not doing anything else. I didn't run any ads or do any hashtags or any growth strategies. I just kept posting that kind of stuff and people were going crazy for it. And um, I did interviews with some big, like the New York times and the wall street journal, that kind of stuff. And so ever since then it's, it's turned into a conversation piece to talk about the modern church's relationship to wealth and fame and celebrities and social media and all that kind of stuff. So um, two years later, it's been refined a bit, but yeah, that's how it started. Man, now do you love sneakers naturally? Is that why you were drawn to this worship leader's shoes? Because I wouldn't know. I'd, I'm like uh -huh. Kmart's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most you know? most people like... <laughs> wouldn't. Yeah, most people wouldn't know at first, and that was, I think, part of the shock because many people assumed that a lot of these guys were just dressing hip and trying to look like the culture. But mm -hmm. once people had to contend with the price tags of it, it, it made it a little more messy for people for certain people. Um, at the time I was into sneakers and I had been following the culture for about, uh, four or five years since then. Um, I had only gotten into sneakers when I was in the military randomly. Um, and then I kind of have a, an obsessive personality. And so I had been very deep into sneaker Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And so some of these sneakers were very easy for me to point out. And many people just assumed that I was spending hours to research what these shoes were, but it really took me like five seconds to know, uh, what a lot of these uh, more sought after shoes are and the, the more valuable ones were. Yeah. I was into sneakers. I'm less so now just because I, I won and I can't afford it. <laughs> I have a kid and I just can't really uh, justify buying a bunch of sneakers. And I, I'm trying to work on having less stuff uh, because it's just the sneaker game. 
you can never have enough sneakers. And if you're not careful, you can just always be looking to buy more and more and more just to say you have more and more and more. And I'm, I'm trying to rid my life of that a little bit more. If you're living behind this, this at preachers and sneakers, why did you then decide to unveil the mask and come out and be like, Hey, I'm Ben and this is what it is. And let's talk more about it. The long and short of it is that it's exhausting running an anonymous account. I mean, the, just the logistics behind having a fake name and different email addresses and different phone numbers and mm -hmm. having to like sheepishly tell people what you do for a living or try to skirt around it in order to keep, you know, the anonymity up. That's, that's just exhausting. I was kind of over that while writing the book, I realized that I couldn't fully participate in the conversation that I was trying to catalyze without being fully out there. And, uh, you know, a big part of my book is pushing people to be authentic. And I also wanted to be authentic mm. as well with the world. And so it, it was a very scary thing. And, you know, you never get that back. Like you never get your privacy back once you say, Hey, this is me. Um, but so far the response has been very uplifting and I'm glad I did it. It's very interesting that your book comes out now. It seems like a lot of people are going through that deconstruction of their faith, whether it is, you know, being female in the sexuality, whether it's being a pastor's kid and, you know, wondering, okay, well, what is my relationship with Jesus? We're seeing it all over the place right now. So let's talk about faith and how your faith began. Um, okay. Because it seems like it is a big part of your life. When did you uh, start that journey with, with Jesus, essentially? I grew up in a very loving Christian home and my parents influenced me a ton. Uh, so I I became a Christian at probably age eight, which when you're eight, your decisions for life are probably not like I couldn't have made a decision. It's, it's just strange to think about making such a large life decision at such a young age. Mm -hmm. um, if I could go back, I'd probably maybe wait a few years just so I could be sure of what I believed. But so far, uh, Christianity has been a huge part of my life and has been uh, a really guiding force behind everything I do. And I've seen God work in my life and I've seen God work in my, my wife's life. I mean, it's a miracle that God has blessed me with a wife that I have because I do not deserve it. And she is amazing. But growing up in the South, it's kind of an understood thing is that you're going to be involved the Southern United States. You're going to be involved with the church in some form or fashion. And I was lucky enough that I had some mentors early on in junior high and high school that let, that helped me solidify that foundation going into college. So I didn't just drop it all and just go crazy and do a bunch of drugs and alcohol. So I, I, I don't know why God had grace on me that way, but uh, he was able to protect me from a lot of stuff that I probably should have just gotten into in, in college and in the military and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a huge part of my life. But also, you know, you mentioned deconstruction as a guy that's in this space now where people are questioning everything. It's forced me to question a lot of the things that I thought I believed or, or the reasons why I believed certain things, because um if you're not careful, you just end up believing things just because it's a product of your environment. And I don't think that's, I think you need to go a step further and really dig into why uh, you believe what you believe and not, not deconstruct just for the sake of burning things to the ground and never building them back up. But in order to have like a more authentic faith to say, Hey, here's this, here's the man-made stuff that I know is man-made. And here's the stuff that I know is true about God. And so that's what I've been going through too. Um, and I think it's a good practice for everybody. The book is available uh, right now, uh, Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in an Age 
of for-profit faith and wannabe celebrities, then why did you decide to, after everything with this Instagram and you deciding, hey, by the way, I'm Ben, uh, not fake name. um, Why did you then decide to write the book? People knew me from Instagram only pretty much and came to my account for one thing, really, to see those pictures of pastors wearing expensive stuff. But I realized very early on that there was much deeper issues here that causing people to uh, really freak out and, uh, you know, all these really deeply kept hurts and views about church and money, religion and money and pastors and money, that kind of stuff. And Instagram just wasn't the place to try to get people to dig deeper into some of those things. Instagram is very visual, which is which is a great medium and a great platform, but nobody's going to read a bunch of paragraphs in the captions. Like no one ever does that. And so to write a book, I didn't really want to write a book because it's like, this is an un- uncomfortable topic in a lot of ways because it's, it's self-indicting. If you're, if you're going to try to comment on other people's lifestyles, you better also audit your own lifestyle so that uh, you can be about it too. And so um, writing the book was for a few reasons, but one, it was, to try to dig deeper into the questions that clearly kept coming up about, is it okay to get rich off God? What do we do with Christian celebrities? Are we causing people to sin from our social media posts, all that kind of stuff. I just couldn't have gone uh, to the depth that I wanted on Instagram. It is interesting though, seeing um, just Christian culture, the celebrity culture that has emerged from it. I know Justin Bieber has talked about, um, you know, pastors be careful with, you know, celebrity culture. And you just see so many people hurting right now. And then you see that juxtaposition of that pastor wearing sneakers that cost, you know, enough money that would feed a family. You know, it is really hard to wrestle with. What are some of the takeaways that you've walked away from just seeing your account and seeing, you know, people talking about this in a different kind of way. Yeah, I agree with you. People are really struggling, especially mm-hmm. after COVID uh, or during COVID. People are are really struggling, even in a Western context where we're extremely wealthy in comparison to the majority of the rest of the world. Takeaways that I've gleaned from all this is that we're all responsible for how we present ourselves online and to the outside world. And if we're not careful, like we have to, we have to understand the importance of who we represent. Like we don't just get to, because we're not a pastor, we don't just get to post whatever we want online. I mean, we can, but also I think that wisdom says you should consider how that's going to be received by your neighbor, your quote unquote neighbor. Um, Many Christians don't, including myself until I went through this, didn't ever consider like, Hey, I wonder if this vacation pick is going to cause people to feel anxiety and depression about their own situation. And like, do you as a Christian care about that? And like, you don't want to be controlled by the random people online and the, and fear of what people think. But also there also is some consideration that I think we should give to people that are out there struggling. And so the, the easy thing to point to is the pastor wearing super expensive stuff, which I think wisdom would say that they should audit what they put on before they get on stage to talk about Jesus to a global audience. Mm. But we should also do the same when we say that, you know, we also care for the poor and the downtrodden and uh, also say we want to uh, make Jesus's name great and our name less, yet we still will kind of curate our whole personal brand on our socials to make our lives look better than they really are. My whole deal is like, I, I realized through this whole process is that what I really care about is authenticity for myself and for the people around me. And I just want other people to consider how they can be more real because it doesn't serve anybody to create this false narrative about your life on social 
or even with your close friends. Like we're all, we all, we all struggle with things and life is hard and it's, that's okay. And let's just be real about that. Instead of saying, you know, I'm jet setting around the world. I'm doing great. My business is awesome. And I've got these beautiful friends and I've got this beautiful kid, all that kind of stuff that doesn't really serve anybody. Have you had a chance to uh, have conversations with some of the pastors that you've taken or you've posted pictures of their feet? I have. Yeah. I've had uh, a, a range of conversations between the worship leaders and the pastors and some were really good and uplifting and uh, understanding, which those are the best kind of conversations where you can both say your piece, listen to each other and consider another perspective. I think we would all do good to have more of those type of conversations. And I've also had some kind of one-way conversations on the receiving end where people were just very angry at me for showing the world how much their shoes were worth. Those kind of conversations are discouraging, but also validation to me that, oh, this is this there's something more here than just uh people being upset that you're wearing a pair of sneakers like this is this is causing people real anger and uh questioning my salvation because i'm doing it so uh that's validation to me to keep going it's interesting um sometimes when i take a look at what's happening in the world around us and you know when you get to see pictures of fancy watches on pastors or those nice jackets that you think wow that would pay for my daughter's dance class for a year she would love that. Unfortunately, we're just dancing in the living room this year. Um, mm-hmm. It can, you know, it makes you question your faith. It makes you wonder what would Jesus be like in 2021 during a pandemic? How would he be, you know, talking to people, showing God's love? And I mm-hmm. love that this is happening so publicly because it's such a huge, not slap in the face, but just like a wake up call. The world yeah. is watching. And if you are a Christian, mm-hmm. what are you doing to properly represent Jesus? And what does that mean for you and your situation? Um, so to me, seeing all of this and seeing everyone posting about them deconstructing their faith, I love it. I think it's great. It is showing the the gaps and the cracks in our faith and our humanity and saying, yeah. yeah, I guess we have to admit it. We're human. Um, where do we go though from here? We, we see it. <laughs> it's everywhere. Uh, we might feel embarrassed and uncomfortable because it's nice to pretend that everything looks great. But what yeah. is this next step now that, you know, the mirror is out? We see ourselves, our Christian culture. Now what? At the macro level, I agree with you. Like, uh, it's a huge wake up call, I think, that I don't claim to have started. I, I had a small part of it. I'm not leading this charge by any means. I have this weird Instagram account that maybe drove some conversation about bigger things that were already happening at a macro level. I think people are starting to wake up to say, Hey, a lot about what we do with church is about entertainment and comfort and really appeasing the people that are going to come anyway and not uh, helping the world or helping our community or pouring into those that come to our church to grow spiritually. It's more of a rah rah session that feels good and then goes away after an hour um, I hope people take that and push for a more authentic interaction with God and interaction with each other at church. I mean, churches are built up or made of all of us individual flawed people. And so it's, it's really an individual practice where we have to want to uh, die to some of that within ourselves. Like we, most of us like money and like comfort and like interacting with celebrities, that kind of stuff. And at a minimum, we need to start questioning our heart behind that stuff and like questioning, why do I want to buy this or that? Or why do I want to wear this or that? Is it because I, 
you know, saved and I'm proud and you really liked this one piece of clothing or whatever, or am I trying to impress a bunch of people for that? I don't know for no good reason. Um, there's a lot of individual things that we need to be doing. I think that will collectively produce a meaningful result and it's going to look different for everybody. But what I want to push people to do is audit their, their presence on social media and audit how they're presenting themselves to the people around them, because just changing that alone will lead to more meaningful interactions with each other. And that's how we grow. I mean, it doesn't serve anybody to be fake. It doesn't serve anybody to put on a show unless you're like in actually in entertainment. Um, and again, like I'm, I, I'm just this regular military business dude that is not more anointed or inspired than any, any of the next person. Like I'm not a self-help guru. I don't have the answers really, but what I do is have some questions from the inside. And I think other people should wrestle with those questions. And if we all continue to do that, eventually we're going to get a uh, better result. You really are kind of like a modern day missionary to North America through social media. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather do that than maybe like actually be called to go to like Syria or something. I'm hoping that maybe this is my calling. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting though, right? Because it kind of is that it's not what you expected. Um, and yeah. I just I love the stories in the Bible where God calls people in random jobs to to bring to light uh, certain things. Yeah, That's really what your social media account has done on that social media front. Yeah. And it's weird how he has used this or at least allowed it to happen because this should not have been a thing. Like I, I sat in this, in this room or in this house with my iPhone and that's the extent of what I did. And then I caused this like, or he maybe caused this global stir about a topic that just shouldn't be a virtual topic to begin with. Um, and so I, I'm just grateful to be able to be a part of it. I, it seems important to me and, uh, that's why I've stuck with it two years or this long because for all intents and purposes, it should have just flamed out early on. But, uh, I feel grateful to still be part of the conversation and to push people to consider some of these things. Here's my struggle with it though, is that if we're listening to a podcast and we're listening to said preacher, whoever, Preaching the gospel and bringing people to the Lord is one thing. And so I'm like, man, I really love so-and-so. But then all of a sudden, if I jump on this account, I'm like, oh, the guy that I loved is wearing $5,000 shoes. Like, and there's this weird dichotomy of, I really love him as a preacher, but then why is he wearing $5,000 shoes? Does that then change who the pastor is and what he's saying? Because I see then what he's dressed like. Uh, I guess it's different for everybody, but to ignore the message that your clothing sends, I think is foolish as somebody that's got immense global influence. Like I, I want people to take seriously the fact that you're called to be a spiritual leader to people that you may never see. And people like Holly is saying, people are watching and uh, everything that you do on that global stage does send a message. And so at least consider it. And so like, again, I've never said any of these guys are bad or poor right. preachers because of what they wear. But I think if you just get up there wearing a new designer outfit every weekend without at least acknowledging it or being like, yeah, dude, this is crazy. Or like, dude, you know, uh, any number of things that you could say to at least acknowledge it. Like, look, I know most people in my congregation could never afford what I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love for them to do that because that shows a sense of security and diffuses it because without it, people are left to create their own narratives in their mind. You know, it's impossible to control everybody doing that, but 
for the for the preachers and the pastors, what I really hope is that they have people around them that can speak into that for them, where it's either like, hey, dude, you do really like designer clothing, man. What is that? Or that they can speak into the lies that maybe people are saying about them, where it's like, yes, you have this $1,200 pair of shoes or whatever, but what we know about you is that you're uh, sacrificial and generous and you saved and saved and saved or somebody, you know, gave you this gift, whatever. Uh, you should be fine wearing that. Like it's, it's really helpful to have people around you that can speak into that. I know that doesn't completely answer your question. And I understand what you're saying. Okay. So I I've, I've known Holly for 18 years. I've come up with a lot of great ideas, more stupid ideas, but if what we're wearing is maybe switching something in our minds, what about naked preaching? I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like fig leaf or something. I think that's the next book actually. That's what I'm coming up with. Okay. Please no, I am not Holly going to that church. Or, I am not or tuning a in online. Show. <laughs> a, uh, you know, naked and preaching on Discovery Channel. There you go. Um, right? Yeah, you'd right? be above reproach no. in a, in the uh, in the terms of materialism. That's for sure. <laughs> Unless it's a designer leaf. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Unless it's a leaf from Bali or something. There you go, and you flew there Imported. just to get the it. The Maldives. Oh my goodness, that's. <laughs> Thanks, Great idea. Johnny. That's the first time I've heard that idea. I yeah, like I hope All it's right. the last. Trademark. <laughs> I have some really good ones. I'll I'll throw some at you later. You'll I be need like, get you wow. on the payroll, man, for my creative direction. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I don't know. it's something. <laughs> it's the rule of 80-20. 80% of his ideas are not good. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And 20% of the time they're really terrible. <laughs> Well, as our generation wrestles with, you know, the reality of our, our faith and just kind of, the, again, going through the deconstruction and asking questions, um, you know, growing up, it was like, you just believe, don't ask questions, just follow the course. Now we're asking questions. Now you have the, the sneaker of parent upon your feet. So heading into this new journey i know that was terrible uh <laughs> I, was, I was vibing with you yeah come on <laughs> heading into this new phase of life you're a dad what do you want your son to grow up doing when it comes to his faith and taking a look at the culture around him as well wow i know you're like sleep deprived she asked the hard ones i asked you about naked preaching <laughs> yeah i had an answer for the naked preaching and this what this I want for my son. I appreciate that question because it's making me, I guess I want him to be impervious to people's opinions. That's something I struggle with in life is that mm. sometimes people's opinions really affect me and that can make me ineffective in a way. So I would love for him to be secure in who he is and uh, not accept the status quo. I think that's something that I've found that drives me is that I can't accept the status quo just because that's how it's always been. I think that's part of what's driven some of this with the church discussions. Cause it's like, dude, who is saying that this is the best way to do church? Um, because I got questions. And so I would love for him to be um, secure, to not be scared to ask questions. I would love for him to be athletic and jacked and tan, you know, <laughs> maybe tall. I don't know. I'm, I'm a very average sized dude. So, you know, I could pray for a miracle that he's like six, five. So he, you know, That'd genetics cool. is a funny thing. Genetics is a it funny is. thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess I want him to be funny and uh, care for people without looking for anything in return. If he's all those things, I think that would be more than enough. Hmm. I, like I always that. said that I wanted myself to be 6'5", 235, and around a 4'4". 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, <laughs> and a deal with Nike would be nice, too. Uh, this is the uh, Why Me Project podcast, where in the hills and valleys of life, you ask God that question, why me? Why am I put in this situation? Can you think of a why me moment for yourself? Mm. I mean, this whole, I don't feel like I deserve to have written, a, have the opportunity to write a book or to have a big platform like this, because I, I know who I am. And so I've asked that a lot, because I, I know plenty of people that would be better and more eloquent and more insightful to lead something like what I'm doing. Um, and so I, I asked that a lot. I, I think maybe why me is cause that I, I wasn't in the, the industry, the, cause the industry doesn't want to question itself because it, it depends on itself to continue providing those jobs. And so I think there was some element of me being outside of the Christian industry that allowed me to ask questions that would have provided fallout for people that were working within it. People like how I maybe observe things and write about things. And I've been able to find a way to make people laugh about serious topics. And so I'm hoping that he uses that, continues to use that to get people to think, but also not like lose their mind and mm -hmm. not take things too seriously. Um, I try to strike a balance between getting people to think about serious things, but also relax for a bit. Like, cause people will come up to my account and bicker back and forth, bicker and bicker and bicker. And oftentimes I want to diffuse that because like, dude, this, like, if we're honest, this is a secondary or tertiary issue. The idea that, you know, what you wear on stage communicates a message. I'm not going to equate that to some of the bigger issues out there. So like, let's relax for a second, but let's also talk about it and not bury our head in the sand. Uh, if there's something that we can improve on. So why me? I don't know, because I was uh, potentially naive and outside of the industry. So I could speak bluntly about some of the issues that I was seeing. And uh, I guess I'm kind of a funny guy. And so maybe God is using humor to hopefully open people's eyes a bit. And to the courage to say yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's an everyday thing because every day I wake up, it's like, man, this is, I would have not picked this for myself. <laughs> Talking about Christians and money is just mm. about one of the most <laughs> uncomfortable topics out there. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's not very often that a guest actually has thought so much about their why me moments that they can follow up with. I think this might be why. So that was a, a really cool perspective. I Thanks. have one last Thank question. You, it's super, super random. I'm kind of curious about your, your son's shoe collection. Because I used to love shoes. And then I'm like, oh, I have kids. I can't buy shoes for myself anymore. But I will overindulge because right. they're cheaper when they're little. So my Cheaper, kids had... but also like expensive for what you get. <laughs> you know, right? Because right? they never wear them. So how is uh, this shoe collection? Uh, it's, it's growing. I've had a couple of generous people give me, you know, for people that are into sneakers, some baby Jordan 1 breads, uh, which are the black and red Jordan 1s. And he also got gifted from the guy that runs the uh, watches account, the Profits and Watches account. He gifted me a pair of those Jordan 1 breads and then a pair of Mars Yard, which you can look them up. It's it's a random designer thing. Uh, Nike Mars Yard uh, sneaks. And then um, I had another buddy, Hunter Ward, that and his fiance gave me a, another pair of Nike Velcros for my uh, kid. So it's growing. And uh, nice. so far we haven't bought any because it's like, <laughs> well, how do you buy a nice thing for a, a dude that's going to outgrow it in two weeks? Yeah. So happy less. to receive the gifts. <laughs> <laughs> what is an appropriate amount to spend on a pair of shoes? Uh, $299 and 50 cents. Okay. Oh, wow. No. Do people now? <laughs> no. I, thought, I was like, that's like, a good answer. Like $10 no. sneakers from the like, you know, VV boutique. People, people, want me, people want me to say a number and it's, it's, 
it would be very arrogant for me to say it's $299 and not a penny more or a penny a less. Like, it's, 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 I'm not a moral relativist, but this, you have to kind of be relative on it's kind of people's situations are different. So it's impossible for me to say, but the moment it becomes a distraction from what you're trying to do in life, whether that be preaching or teaching or whatever, uh, I think it's something to consider. Do people show you their shoes randomly? Because uh, of who you are now. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, I mean, every day I get I get messages from people just with a screenshot of them wearing their shoes. I'm like, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sending me that. DMs are blowing up. <laughs> uh, at Benjamin Kirby, uh, as well as at Preachers and Sneakers. You can go to preachersandsneakers.com. Brother, we appreciate you taking some time, uh, showing your authenticity and hanging out with us. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. It's great to meet you all. Big shout out again to Ben for taking some time. And I'll be honest, Holly, I was, uh, we've talked to authors before, but this was a little different. It was fun. I like the fashion side of things. And it really does bring up that very interesting question about what a pastor wears and what does that say? Because people are watching. I've never went though in thinking like watching because there's lists of different if you go to the Instagram account, you're like, yeah, no, I really enjoy that. I've never thought of, oh yeah, I guess they're wearing thousand dollar sneakers or oh my gosh, I guess they have a thousand dollar watch. My thing is, what are they riding in? What I mean, I'm assuming then their car's worth a gazillion dollars, their house is probably a mansion. And so I mean it's not just one thing, it just seems to be this ongoing big problem. Mm-hmm. And is it a bad thing? Like, I don't know. I just think, it, you know, it comes back to the heart. Maybe they are just proportionally really, really generous. Hmm. You just never know, right? And I think that's why these conversations are important to have because it gives us a chance to take a look at, uh, you know, celebrity culture within our Christian faith and all sorts of questions that people have about finances and faith. It's interesting, too, because I, I was thinking of a pastor friend of mine. He rolled up in a, in a very nice vehicle. It was used. And I said, oh, apparently I got to become a pastor. <laughs> LOL. I was joking. And he rolled his eyes. He goes, that's what I was worried about. I was worried about that's what people would think, even though the vehicle was, say, 15 years old. But because it's a, a big brand, people would then think, oh, he's spending a lot of money. What else is his money being spent on? Yeah, it's things I never really thought of until seeing right. different Instagram accounts like preachers and sneakers. Get into radio, make Jesus dollars, <laughs> then you'll never have to worry about that. <laughs> oh, it's so true. How did we go the Christian route? We should just have mainstream media. <laughs> then it would just be normal for people to wear multi gazillion dollar shoes, I guess. Yep. Uh, well, anyway, I I'm good with this. We have a lot of great conversations no. like the one we had today. Yeah. Speaking of a uh, lot of money, if you follow us on things like uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, become a YouTube subscriber, we can become rich that way. You could send us Bitcoin or $5. <laughs> I mean, this is the way that I'm going to become rich. Oh, man. It's by just asking for money, I guess. It's begging. <laughs> That's just beggars can't be choose. Beggars can't. There's got to be something there. Some, something like that. But we do hope that the conversation today did encourage and inspire you and maybe even encourage you to ask some of those questions. Uh, you can always check out Ben Kirby's book, uh, his Instagram account hmm. as well. And, you know, that's what we want to do here is just have that community where we can talk, we can have fun guests on, we can ask those big questions like, why me? Yeah, and if there's a guest that you want to hear, uh, at Outlook.com. I ask the dumb questions, Holly asks the smart ones. <laughs> 
You can also check out Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And of course, you can always head to faithstrongtoday.com. 